Welcome to Pet Will Radio, a unique show about amazing animals and inspirational people. With your host, author, animal advocate, and attorney, Peggy Hoyt. Hello, pet lovers. Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt. And this show is brought to you by the Law Offices of Hoyt and Bryan, where we create estate plans for pets and their people. Animal Care Trust USA, a not-for-profit dedicated to helping pet parents keep loved pets in loving homes. And Pet Connect, an app for pet lovers. I am so happy to be able to introduce you today to our special guest. Her name is Kim Pruitt, and Kim calls herself an animal advocate and retired rescuer, and we are so happy that she could join us today. Welcome to the show, Kim. How are you? Hello, Peggy. Just fine. How are you? I'm very well, and um, it's a pleasure to have you on the show and to talk about um, topics that you are so passionate about, and I know... A lot of our listeners are as well, so we're happy to uh, to learn from your perspective. Um, tell us a little bit about your background. Um, actually, I did not know that tax-funded shelters euthanized animals until I went to a tax-funded shelter 15 years ago and saved my first uh, rescue dog, and that's when I learned that we were actually euthanizing healthy, adoptable animals, and it changed me. I decided I was going to do something about it, Peggy. So I, I started advocating, and I got very involved and started educating myself as to what we could do, um, what everybody can do. I don't care where you live, how you could get involved, what changes you could make, and that's just kind of how I got involved. Well, that's really nice to know. So it's it's all because of a dog that your life was changed forever. Tell us a little bit about this dog, who's now your um, fifteen year old. Yes, he turned. His name was Rebel, and I kept it. I didn't like that name so much, but it was his name, and he knew it, so I kept it. It was his shelter name, and. Um, Back in those days, they didn't have um, too much but Pet Finder. That was, there was no Facebook or anything like that. And I just happened to see this puppy on Pet Finder at our county shelter, went to get him, and um, the girls, uh, of course, my husband went, and, and we were trying to decide. And the animal control officer said, well, if you don't get him, he's going to be euthanized on Friday. And this was on Wednesday. And I was, euthanized? Euthanized for what? For space. You're going to kill this healthy puppy for space. And they said yes. They immediately got him out of there, bonded to this dog, and just started advocating from that, that point on. So Rebel is, uh, what breed is he? He's a lab pit mix. Okay. And is he the guy you have on your Facebook page? No, that's Isabel. <laughs> she was also she was also a rescue, but Isabel passed away a couple of years ago, and it kind of she passed away suddenly, and it broke our hearts because we loved her so much. And so she, I just made her my profile picture. Okay, so how many dogs do you have right now, Kim? Eleven. Eleven. Eleven dogs. Okay, you got me beat. So uh, tell us a little bit about the the dogs that make up your your family. We have four acres, um, and there I will say all that Rebel were, we've had them for several years now, 
Um, I actually gravitate to the ones that I know is not going to get out of that shelter, whether it was health issues, aggression issues, all of them were rescue only. And because um, I knew they weren't going to make it out. So I, those were the ones that I pulled, and we made it work, whatever issues they had, whether it was health, we got them healthy, um, a dog aggression, we worked with that, human aggression, we worked with that, and we've all lived together now, I'd say for about seven or eight years, most of them. Wow, that, that's a real success story, because it isn't, um, it's, it can be a challenge when you have a number of dogs for everybody to get, to, to get along. It's hard work. It's hard work, but we love them, so we make it work. So I was teasing you a little bit before we went on the show and asking why you referred to yourself as a retired rescuer. Isn't it once a rescuer, always a rescuer? You know what? You're probably right, but I don't. I, I Let me tell you why I call myself a retired rescuer. Because the whole time, 15 years that I was rescuing, we were not making any headway. The shelters were still euthanizing just as many as they were year after year. Even though spay-neuter programs were coming in, people were getting involved. And it, I stopped and I, and I said, we're going backwards. What can I do to make us go forward? And I started really educating myself on, on those topics. Because if, no matter how many dogs I was pulling out of a shelter, they were still euthanizing year after year, just as many. So I decided that we had to get involved in another way. And that's kind of why I call myself a retired rescuer. Okay. So you also call yourself an animal advocate. And I think that's fair because you have done a lot of uh, self-education and um, you're very active in um, making your voice heard about um, animal-related issues. And I know that because of your experience with Rebel and um, discovering, basically, that they euthanize healthy pets at our shelters all over the country, that you got involved in this uh, uh, no-kill movement, if you will. Well, that and many other avenues. Um, I did not, as saying that I got involved, I didn't know, you know, who to go to about why we were killing so many animals in every state. And I will say this, too. There are five states that kill as many healthy animals altogether as the rest of the United States. Did you know that, Peggy? I did not. What states are those? California, Texas, Florida. Georgia, and North Carolina kill as many animals as the rest of the United States put together. Well, a couple of those states, as you mentioned, are pretty large states, but you, can you think of a reason why that would be true? Uh, you know, here in Florida, I think it's because, um, you know, we have what is called the snowbirds, so people... They're only here for six months. They don't, you know, some get involved, some don't. So you got a lot of people coming and going all the time. The rest of the states, I couldn't tell you. Um, but I, I will say because in Florida, we have a lot of senior citizens, and they're, some are unable to get involved. And some, you know, once they get involved, they're turning around and going back to uh, back north or wherever because they're only here for six months. So I think that might be one of the reasons for Florida. 
but um, North Carolina, Georgia, Texas, probably because it's a highly populated state, and California especially because it's a highly populated state. So they probably have a whole lot more animals there. But there's no reason. I don't know what it would be for North Carolina and Georgia. There's just no, no excuse as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. I would have to find why, but, but I don't. It's only about Florida because I live here. Right. So Florida is where your focus is. So just out of curiosity, I was looking up, you know, what's the definition of no kill? Because we hear this a lot of times and I think people don't really understand that no kill doesn't mean even in its purest sense that they never euthanize an animal ever. And the pure definition of a no-kill shelter is one that does not kill healthy or treatable animals, even when the shelter is full, um, but they still euthanize animals that are terminally ill or those that might, that might be considered dangerous to the public safety. To the public, correct. And you can't save them all, no matter what. Um, you're going to have an animal that's going to walk in there that's hit by a car that, um, you know, needs to be euthanized to put into their suffering. No kill means you have a live release rate of 90% and that you maintain that live release rate for at least a year. A shelter cannot call themselves no kill if they have a live release rate of 90% one month and 80% the next. It has to be a full one year. So if we were encouraging people to adopt um, from a shelter rather than um, purchasing a dog, so my personal philosophy is until there are none, adopt one. Um, So should we be encouraged then to go to the um, the kill shelters or the high kill shelters and, and save a dog or a cat from there? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will say this, Peggy, I'm not just saying this. They know. When you save that animal's life, they know. Um, mine are so thankful to me. Um, and you've done something. You have saved a life. That alone should make you feel good. You, you, you know, you created change there. You took something out of that shelter that would probably be euthanized. And um, when you, now I, I, I'm not one that's against reputable breeders at all, not at all. But um, you're not saving a life that way. When you go to that shelter and you walk out with that dog or cat, you just saved a life, and they appreciate it. They know. Um, I don't disagree with you there. I absolutely believe that they know and that they are very um, grateful. I say the older dogs are grateful. I say puppies don't seem to know the difference. But um, true, uh, I you know I do commend people to go to the shelters to find a dog um, or a cat that needs a home. And there is a saying that when you adopt from a shelter that you actually save two lives. You save the life of the animal that you rescued, and you may have saved the life of the animal that you made room for so that, so that they could bring another animal into that shelter environment. So I know, I know that you talk about um, 12 steps to becoming a no-kill shelter. Can you um, tell me what those steps are? I sure can. Um, there are 12 steps. Hang on, I'm going to pull them up so that I can just 
get it right to you here. Um, TNR, the cat. Um, uh, that's trap, neuter, and release. Cats um, usually are pretty savvy. They can feral cats can usually take care of themselves. We just don't want to get the population uh, too great. So they trap them, neuter them, and release them back to where they're comfortable. They know their surroundings. They know how to survive. Instead, we used to bring the feral cats in and euthanize them. Every one of them. Um, okay, so that's good, and we've uh, we've had some people on the show in the past where we've talked about um, trap, neuter, and release. So okay, right, because I will, yeah, I will say. In fact, most states still have not adopted this program. They're still, um, if they can bring a feral cat in, most states are euthanizing those feral cats. So your your kill numbers are way high because of that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one one of the steps. Adoption. Of course we need adoptions. Um, along with that, let me say this. Most of our shelters are holding facilities. They're not adoption centers. They're not welcoming to the public. Um, we need adoption centers. One that when you walk in, um, you can really see that dog's personality. It's not a holding center. They're not jumping up to the front of that kennel, you know, begging you to, uh, please take me, take me. You can actually see the dog's personality. And it has proven that it's actually cheaper on the taxpayers this way because it costs money to hold those dogs in those facilities. And and they um, don't get adopted out as easily as they do when we build an adoption center, not a holding facility. So okay. Yep, that's, that's good advice. Um, bay neuter. Oh, of course. Bay neuter. Um, you're each county and each state should have a low-cost spay-neuter program. You cannot go no-kill without low, low-cost spay-neuter. Some counties in some states, I think there's some even in Louisiana, that offer free spay-neuter uh, program. So there would be no reason, um, you know, for the to uh, have an overpopulation of dogs and cats. Rescue groups. Well, we need the rescue groups. Um, be transparent. Help the rescue groups. Send out emails. Tag them. Do whatever you do. Let the rescue group does not know what you have in your shelter. Let them know. Right. And a lot of times, isn't it true that rescue groups will pull pull dogs out of shelters? Oh yeah. Uh huh. Absolutely. Uh, we. Uh, in fact, we got a. In our county, to, uh, just today, we had a Rottweiler that was deemed aggressive, rescue only. I tagged several Marathi rescues, and, and they got him out today. So you got to let them know what's there. That's the whole point. You have a lot of rescue um, people in each state. Um, find out who they are. Google them. Start tagging them. Start sending them emails. Look, we've got this dog here. He's a purebred, or he, this dog here is injured, or look, look at this. This dog's been here 100 days. Can you help me? They'll pull those dogs out. That's what the rescue groups are for. So know, know who's in your state. Know what they can do. Foster care. That's a great step. Now, let me tell you, a lot of, a lot of shelters are implementing this all across the United States as well. Um, used to, shelters did not foster dogs out. Only your rescue groups. Well, they're changing. And now shelters are allowing people to foster their dogs, and some for a day, an hour, 
two days, a weekend, get them out of those kennels. Get to know them because, you know, quite honestly, you might get attached and you might want that dog or cat. So they're implementing these foster programs. We have them here that you can go and take a dog to lunch. Uh, you can foster it for the weekend. You know, if you don't have something to do, go get a dog out of the shelter. And usually the applications are very simple. Uh, they usually just require your driver's license and your address just so they know where that dog's at. And um, I think that's a great program, and it is being implemented everywhere. Um, rehabilitation. Most of your shelters should hire a trainer. And um, so sometimes you get a dog in there that is not very well socialized. That's in every shelter in the United States. Get a trainer in there. Work with that dog. It's usually just a simple correction that you need to make. Um, and, it, and it helps the dog get adopted out. Used to, those were the very dogs that would be euthanized, right? Right. Almost every single time. Okay, here's my biggie. This is my biggie. The public. What do we do whenever somebody tries to, to um, own or surrender a dog? The first thing we do is say, you know, that, that's a family member. How can you be giving away your family member? What are you doing? Why aren't you keeping your dog? Don't do it. There may be circumstances that they just cannot keep their dog. What we should be doing is embracing the public. Bring the public into the shelter. Um, get your volunteers in there because it's actually the volunteers that are going to help get those dogs adopted out. Dogs, I say dogs, but dogs and cats or whatever. Um, you're, the public, they're the ones. Embrace them. Get them in there. Um, the Lake County Shelter is a true no-kill shelter. They follow these 12 steps. They have over 200 volunteers that come in and walk the dogs. Every dog in that shelter, and there's 150 of them, are walked every single day. That's, that's great. So somebody, you know, and so when somebody goes to adopt one of those dogs, they're not, you know, jumping at the kennel. They're not barking and they're relaxed. They've been walked. And you can truly see how the dog is. So embrace your public. Get them in there. Get involved. Get involved. Walk into your shelter. Become a volunteer. Um, leadership. One of the biggest um, things for me is get a shelter director that really cares. Number one, they will work a way, they will find a way, they will listen to the ideas. Um, they're not old school. They, you know, they really try to help the animals. All across the United States, we have shelter directors. You read about them every day on Facebook that euthanize healthy puppies. That one, the one in Texas, I think it was, euthanized the dog while she was giving birth to puppies. He got fired, but, you know, you got to have leadership that cares. Um, and redemption. You know, one of the things, whenever um, an animal control officer picked up a, the stray cat or dog, the first thing they used to do is run right back to the shelter with it. No. Find, you know, talk to the neighbors. Are there neighbors out? See, you know, does somebody know this dog? See if you can find who owns the dog first. Don't just run right back to the shelter with it because now it's just taking up a space. Right. And that program, yeah, that program works really well. 
so a lot of the animal control officers are doing this. They're getting involved as well, and they're getting to know the neighbors and, you know, what dog gets lost more often and that kind of stuff, and they know to return it. They don't just run back to the shelter with it. But that's, that's basically, I think I touched all 12 of them. That's kind of the no-till situation or equation and how it works. Very nice. Well, I can tell that you're very passionate about that, and I appreciate you sharing um, those steps with us so that people are listening today. Hopefully, it will give them some ideas as well. Um, I think social media has probably been wonderful for helping to uh, place some of the animals that uh, need homes out there, and um, and I hope to continue doing that. Um, you live in um, Marion County, Florida. Is that right? Correct. So, and you have your own unique issues in your county. Do you want to highlight anything particular that you think makes Marion County unique? Our shelter director. I love him. <laughs> He's trying. He's trying so hard. Um, he listens to us. He has meetings with us. He cares. Um, he has brought our kill rate from 60% to, it's not always 10% uh, or, um, yeah, it, but he's getting there. He's trying. Uh, that you've got to have a caring shelter director that's willing to listen to the volunteers, that's willing to listen to the public, that's willing to take in the ideas, and um, and make it work. And he's trying to do that. Now, is is everything hunky dory? No, we got a long ways to go. Um, but but we're getting there. And that's what I want every county in the United States to be like that. That's what. I, Peggy, get involved. Your county commissioners in every single county in the United States are the ones that determine what happens at that shelter. They hire the shelter director. They get those kill numbers on their desk. Get in front of them. Email them. Let them know you're watching them. If your kill numbers are way high, bring it out. So I know you have a lot of vocal people in your county, so I think that's, that's very, very good news. So I think this is good advice for people to maybe not be afraid to go to county commission meetings, to get on the agenda, to exactly. start talking about the issues in their particular counties, and, um, and bring some of these issues to the forefront. Yeah, don't be afraid, because 90% of your voting public, 90% of your voting public wants to know that their their animals in their county are, are, are being treated humanely. In every, every, all across the United States, 90% of your voting public wants to know that. So if you think you're alone in voicing your opinion, you, you're not. All you have to do is just ask some of, you know, people on Facebook to go with you, your neighbor. Believe me, you'll be surprised at how many people want to get involved, especially when they learn that if you have a high kill rate, you're killing healthy animals for space. You'll be surprised. Well, and then you can always, uh, you always can make a lot more progress with um, honey and instead of vinegar. Isn't that right? Yeah, I'd be respectful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Be, I mean, don't, you know, we don't yell or curse rent late or anything. But we do, we have a number of us that we do get it uh, in front of the commissioners um, at public meetings. So it's recorded so the rest of the public can see because maybe they were unaware. But we pull the public records. And we quote right from those public records at these county commissioner meetings. So there's no, you know, um, opinions. There's no nastiness. We physically quote from those public records. And that's another thing. 
That's your First Amendment right. Pull those public records. Find out what's going on at your shelter. They have to give it to you. All across the United States, ask for it. You ha- they have to give you that information. Well, and it's probably true that a lot of people don't know that they can get access to information that they think they uh, they don't have a way to get a hold of. Exactly. I didn't. I didn't know, Peggy, till about 15 years ago. Um, yeah, the, they, they do. That's your First Amendment right. They have to give you that information. So go ahead and ask for it. Don't be afraid. Find out. Um, so do you feel like maybe you have a reputation in your county as being someone who's outspoken on behalf of animals? You better believe it. <laughs> you better believe it. <laughs> yes, I, I do. Um, I'm not sure my husband appreciates it, but, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I, I'm contacted every single day um, by people saying, how can I get involved, Kim? How can I get involved? And, and I tell them, and we have a pretty good advocacy group here, I have to say. So that, that's excellent to know, and I know you have a partner in crime up there in uh, Marion County, uh, Lily Barron with the SPCA of Ocala. Oh, yeah. Lily's my friend. Yes, absolutely. Well, we've, we've had Lily on the show before, and um, we, we will continue to talk about all of these issues that are related to our animals. Um, I just want to remind our listeners today that we're talking to Kim Pruitt. She's an animal rescuer, calls herself retired, and animal advocate. And um, let's talk for a minute, um, Kim, about another one of your hot buttons, and I, I know that that uh, puppy mills. So let's talk about that a little bit. Okay, um, please do not, I don't care where you live, all across the United States, if you're buying a puppy out of that retail store, it's coming from a puppy mill, and don't let them tell you otherwise, 99.9% of them, that's why you're not seeing the father, the mother, or anything like that, you're just seeing a puppy, they're sitting in boxes, 24 7 or in little crates or cages and all they're doing is breeding and they're breeding the cute little dog and i know it's hard to resist but whenever you do that whenever you buy that puppy you are contributing to that puppy mill and you're it, it's a life of misery for that breeder dog that is in fact true so let's let's tell people who maybe don't know what the life of a breeder dog looks like they live, like I said, in a kennel. And most of them are in boxes. I'm not kidding. Wooden boxes. Um, we we busted a couple of puppy mills here. Um, kennels, wooden boxes. They do nothing but breed. They never come out of that environment their entire life. They're not petted. They're not loved. Um, they're fed food and water just to keep them alive. They're not bedded. Some of them are walking on wire and their feet are just warped from walking on the wire. So when they use the bathroom, it you know, falls down through the wire. Um, and it's a horrible life for that cute little puppy that they sell. And, and, and it, it appeals to your heartstrings when you walk in there and see that cute little puppy uh, in the, that retail store. But I'm telling you, that's where it's coming from. So a lot of, um, a lot of counties, a lot of municipalities are now starting on a uh, county by county or municipality by municipality basis to uh, ban the retail sale of um, puppies and kittens. Um, 
and I know Florida happens to be one of those states that is doing it little by little. Are you aware of any states that have outlawed it statewide? Colorado, I believe, did. Um, no retail sales. They're banning it statewide. I believe it's Colorado. There is one, and I believe that's it, Peggy. Um, I'd have to look back in my notes. But there is one so far that is banning it statewide, but I'm almost positive it's Colorado. And I may be wrong. Like I said, I would have to find out, but that'd just be a matter of Googling it. But, yes, um, people are catching on to it more and more. Um, you know, they're they're educating themselves to it and um, because a lot of these puppies that they purchased were sick. Um, and they wanted to know why and, you know, wanted to see the mother or the father or whatever, and they couldn't do it because they were at a puppy mill. But, um, yeah, we're doing it little by little here in Florida. Several of our county is no retail sale. If all the counties in the state became no retail sales of cats and dogs and rabbits, I think, you wouldn't have any puppy mills. That is true. If if you take away the outlets for the sale, ultimately the puppy mills will go out of business. Um, I think I think from a Google search here, it shows that California actually became the first state that banned the retail sale of puppies statewide. It sure did. It sure yeah. did. Right. So that was uh, kittens, rabbits, and puppies. Um, and if they were not sourced from rescue organizations or shelters, they were banned from selling them. And it looks like other states are starting to um, follow suit. And yeah, and it's really going to take the uh, the voting public to say um, we want these bans because we don't want these animals living in these horrendous conditions, um, just breeding and breeding and breeding and breeding. And that's you going before your county commissioner. Yes, ma'am. So, yep. So we can all do something. Um, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I, I personally subscribe to the philosophy of until there are none, you should adopt one. Um, and I would encourage everybody to adopt one. And a lot of times people will say, yeah, but I want a purebred dog. And what's your experience, Kim, with purebreds in the uh, shelter environment? 30% of what walks into that shelter is purebred. You're, this is a federal law. Federal law states that every tax-funded sh uh, shelter has to make every attempt to find the owner of a lost pet. I don't care if it's a mouse. I don't care if it's a horse. So naturally, they can't go and knock on the door, you know, throughout the neighborhood. So every single shelter in the United States should either have a Facebook page or a website where they post that lost dog. Look at the website. 30% of what walks in there is, is purebred. So, you know, if you want a purebred dog, just start watching the website. If you, you go and adopt, walk in there and adopt them because you can find them. They're there. Absolutely. And then there's a lot of breed rescue organizations. If you want a specific breed, there's probably a rescue organization for that breed. And let me just say this. You know, of course, we know pit bulls are the number one euthanized dog in the United States. But, Peggy, did you know the chihuahua is the second most euthanized dog in the United States? And I'm talking purebred chihuahuas is the second most euthanized dog in the United States. Hard to believe, but um, I do know that they uh, tend to have an overpopulation of them specifically in California. Um, yes. 
And I know that there are some of our northeastern states are actually importing puppies from these um, higher kill states like California or Florida because they actually don't have enough adoptable dogs in their exactly. states. Exactly. Correct. And they're fear biters. They're fear bi- they're, they're known to be fear biters, so they will euthanize them for that. There comes your trainer in your shelter. Instead of euthanize that little tea tiny dog because it'll snap at you, which is a lot of times the, the case, um, that's where the trainer comes in, you know, and then makes that dog adoptable. So your euthanasia rates go down. So I think it's always curious that uh, people do think of the bigger breeds as being the most, um, the, the higher bite type of breeds. Um, but it is, in fact, some of the smaller breeds that there are actually, the statistics are much higher in terms of actual dog bites, dogs like Chihuahuas or Dachshunds. Yeah. Um, uh, and, but if you think about it, I mean, I have a little five-pound Pomeranian, and, and I wouldn't say that he would never bite anybody. I would hope he wouldn't. But um, when you're that small and people are that big, um, that's your only defense. It's a little, yeah, it's a little scary. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, you and I both know of uh, some uh, Chihuahua Maltese puppies that are available right now, so people could reach out to us if uh, if they need to get information on that. I also just found out about a dog this weekend. He's a Anatolian Shepherd Great Pyrenees mix. He's four years old and he's looking for a home. So. Um, Check out my Facebook page and check out All My Children Wear Fur Coats if you are interested in looking for an adoptable pet. Kim, what else do you want to talk about? I think we've touched on, I can't think of anything. Um, just this, I, I talked about going before your county commissioner. Just keep this in mind. There's strength in numbers. So, you know, if you do want to advocate for change, Come together, and, you know, there is strength in numbers. They'll listen. They're going to listen to you because they know that you're going to vote them out if they don't. But um, I, I can't think of too much. Um, I do have one more question for you. What? If, how do you feel about uh, these statewide or countywide animal abuse registries? Love it. Love it. And um, we need that because, well, let me tell you this. Um, this is another reason why we need it. Um, in a county, uh, actually it was Miami, um, there was a couple of volunteers that they didn't check this, Peggy, to see if they were on that registry. And they were dog fighters. And they were volunteers. And they were going in the shelter. And they were scoping out the more aggressive dogs. And they were getting them out of there. And they were fighting them. They got busted. But guess what? They were convicted felons for animal cruelty. Had they checked that um, that registry, they would never have been able to volunteer. So, it's, but it's not just volunteers. Of course, it's the general public because just like with animal abuse, a child abuser, animal abusers don't stop. You know, right. you have you ever? Yeah, they, it, it, they keep doing it. So once they abuse one dog and that dog's gone, believe me, folks, they're going to get another dog. So that registry puts a stop to that. Well, and we also know that there's a high correlation between animal cruelty and um, and child abuse and domestic violence. Um, domestic violence. Mm-hmm. 
So I think in Florida we can watch for uh, proposed legislation this year on uh, the domestic violence and animal cruelty. So there's lots and lots of things that people can do to get involved. I want to thank you, Kim, for the time and the energy and the effort that you've put into uh, helping um, animals and advocating on their behalf. Um, we appreciate you and we appreciate people like you and um, if you like what you hear and like what we're doing you can join us weekly on All My Children Wear Fur Coats. I'm your host Peggy Hoyt. Our guest today was Kim Pruitt and you can find us on Facebook at All My Children Wear Fur Coats. You can find us on Twitter at Kids in Fur Coats and you can re-listen to any one of our podcasts on our website at animalcaretrustusa.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next Monday. And until then, please adopt one and happy tails. Yes. 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 Thank you, Peggy. You're welcome, Kim. Thank you for joining us on Pet Will Radio. Visit petwillradio.com for updates on shows, links to previous shows, inspirational stories, videos, and more. Until next time, take care.